Dr. Nancy O'Reilly's groundbreaking book, In This Together, landed on bookstore shelves with a powerful message. When we work together, we can do absolutely anything. Guidance from 40 women leaders with specific strategies to help women advance their careers makes In This Together even more relevant today, especially with the pandemic's impact on women in the workforce. Take your career to the next level with Dr. Nancy O'Reilly's In This Together, now available on audiobook. Download your copy today. You've heard of emotional intelligence, but what is ecological intelligence? On this short listen today, Aaron Fairchild, the CEO of Green Canopy, breaks down how to create comparables in the marketplace. Because we are a purpose-driven, mission-driven organization. It's actually trying to do good in the world through a market mechanism. Um, and the competition, no-name LLC builder hiding behind the shell of a little LLC. Now, as long as I'm offering the same price, we have it, enjoy a competitive advantage on acquisition. And many times, we pay less. You're listening to The Real Years Podcast to find out what motivates people beyond their chosen careers. All right, Aaron, and we, can, we are going to go live in three, two, one. Welcome, world, to episode 32 of The Real Years Podcast with the real Aaron Fairchild, the CEO of Green Canopy that builds homes, relationships, and businesses that help regenerate communities and environments. Aaron has over 25 years in real estate construction, development, and lending. Uh, He's an experienced fund manager, developer, and social entrepreneur. Aaron, thank you for coming on the show today. Yeah. Yeah, thanks for having me. Well, Aaron, Green Canopy just ranked uh, in the top 100 impact companies of 2019, featured in the Real Years magazine that will be available in newsstands around North America come January 23rd. And and today we're going to talk about why you're on that list. So what I want to ask you first is, is um, what has Green Canopy done um, to make uh, or to be a top 100 impact company? Well, I think uh, fairly uniquely, um, we, we started as a home builder in, a, in an atypical fashion and at a time, you know, just before the word impact was, you know, out there in the world. But there were, you know, there's mission line investors and um, we worked with them and 2010, really, to we had our first offering to raise money, um, and it was a Series A preferred round. Um, and why that's unique, I, I know it doesn't sound unique because we're very kind of familiar with those terms in raising capital for startups. But um, home builders don't typically get started that way. In fact, we don't know any other home builder in the country that got their start by raising. Uh, private equity and a venture style uh, relationship. So we've gone through a series A, B, and C round um, and and use that um, capital to invest in infrastructure designed to scale. Um, Where we really started, um, where we really entered into impact investing kind of in 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 a more meaningful or substantive way uh, was with the creation of our first real estate funds in, uh, I think it was 2011, we launched our first um, real estate fund. So an impact investment 
fund so, so that you know and investors that are looking to align or, or see greater alignment with their values and their uh, investment dollars could invest really for the first time in um, a real estate fund that had really defined impact impact metrics, third-party verified impact metrics, um, with a thesis that um, through but for this work and but for these investment dollars, we wouldn't be able to generate the positive uh, change in the world that we seek. And how we do that is when you're building, um, you know, deep green homes, residential homes, um, they're certified to really high standard. And today we build net zero energy homes, um, uh, pretty much 100% net zero energy homes. When you sell these pro these homes, they create comparables in the marketplace. So you don't get transformation without transaction, right? You got mm. <laughs> that just th those two things go hand in hand. You can't get transformation without transactions um, in, in a market-based approach. Um, and in real estate, we have an advantage in that when you do create a transaction, that transaction then is utilized as a comparable in multiple comparable market analysis that builders use, that real estate agents use, and then also that appraisers use to establish value. So when we sell a home in the market, we could we created actually an impact multiplier for every point of sale transaction. Because that transaction in this certified built green home, deep green home, will then be used as a comparable for other transactions, having a, a disproportionate influence on a market. So you don't you don't need to control 50% of the market to get market transform transformation in this regard. You can actually influence the market in a in a in an equally meaningful way, but with far fewer transactions. So when we started creating these real estate funds, um, they they caught on really nicely in the market here in um, Seattle. And we worked with uh, an angel investment group or a portfolio company of um, Element 8. And um, one, at one time I did a presentation for their membership and they introduced me as... Um, you know, Aaron Fairchild is fund manager, but what he has done is he actually created a new asset class for us, which was impact real estate. Okay. Um, and they had not had that before. So I think that was actually the beginning of, of an awareness for me that what we were doing was perceived as unique in the market in, in, in such a way that you could also create really meaningful impact metrics in support of the impact thesis. Yeah. So, Aaron, thank you. Thank you for explaining that to me because I'm just going to let viewers know right now, this kid right here knows nothing about real estate. So I just want to recap kind of what you just said and see if I'm on the same page. Um, you were explaining to me before, so I have a little head start about your verticals. And so a lot of the companies that we interview, um, you know, how they are creating a societal or environmental impact is within their value chain, whether it's supply for you, um, development, your materials, um, like I think you said, net zero energy homes. Um, and you were creating these comparables, transforming um, without, can't transform without transactions. If you have one transaction, when someone purchases your, your home, you have a, a vast net impact on their community. Um, so so I, I get that sense. Um, 
what I will ask you next is how have you seen, this is a big risk. You said you were the first one and still of of your knowledge, the only um, development firm in, in America that is doing something like this um, mm-hmm. uh, impact as- with your impact asset class. Mm-hmm. So I will ask you: um, Has has in- incorporating these these, uh, these environmental values into your home? Have you seen a long term profit and a, a long term? Uh, sus- will this sustain your company in the in the long term? I guess is what I'm trying to ask you. What what's the the enterprise value that we derive from um, all the impacts that we're creating both environmentally and socially and is that um, is that a value to the organization and how do we value that is that is that basically what you're asking yeah well I guess um, how yes. we benefited from it Yes. How, how are you uh, reaping the benefits of taking a risk early on with having net zero energy homes? So, you know, actually right now is a perfect example of that. Um, we, first of all, it gives us a competitive advantage kind of throughout our value chain, right? So to be authentically, um, you know, driven by a mission and by a purpose um, that then you're very transparent about, you know, with, uh, not just your stockholders, um, but also your multiple stakeholders, which we have, you know, real estate touches so many different right. areas. Um, that creates a competitive advantage because people want to align to others that are of a purpose if they've got a choice. So um, have, you're familiar with the term emotional intelligence, right? Yes. That was coined by Daniel Goldman. Daniel Goldman wrote the book Emotional Intelligence, right? He also wrote a book called Ecological Intelligence. And in the book Ecological Intelligence, he talks about what social psychologists who study consumer behavior patterns have known for decades, which is if you have two product on the shelf, product A, product B, and they cost the same, price parity to the consumer and performance parity. But the consumer perceives product A to be less toxic and more environmentally friendly than product B. They're always going to buy product A. So price parity, performance parity. For us, when we go into the value chain and, for example, buy property that we're going to then develop, the seller of said property knows that they're going to get the market price. No matter who buys it, they're going to get, a, they're going to get what the market will bear. So if we offer them a market price, and perhaps it's even a competitive environment, which it has been <laughs> very competitive since uh, 2013, 14, especially, um, they, they want to sell to us because we are a purpose-driven, mission-driven organization. It's actually trying to do good in the world through a market mechanism. Um, and the competition, no name LLC builder hiding behind the shell of a little LLC. Now, as long as I'm offering the same price, we have it enjoy a competitive advantage on acquisition. And many times we pay less because they'd rather sell their product to us and we engage the community even when it's not a loss. So these are other, these are other attributes that help um, create brand loyalty or recognition, competitive advantage. Got it. And then you can kind of do you can just kind of go down the value chain from there all the way to sale. Um, 
property values, uh, there's more, more supplies coming into the market. Um, days on market have crept up. Property values have, have crept down, or at least appreciation rates have crept down. And when the market was really hot, it was um, really hard. We, we still knew we had a competitive advantage on sale. Um, so when we sell, sold our homes, our homes typically sell much faster than the competition's homes. Still sells within the market range, but usually at the high end of the market. Wherever that band is, if we're selling in the 350, 450, 550 price points, we still command in every sub-market kind of the highest premium. It's new construction, hmm. not resale, et cetera. Um, and right now, as buyers suddenly have more choices in a market, our brand stands out bright against you right. know, a, a background that's um, has all sorts of, it, it's just opaque. And uh, we stand out with clear purpose differentiating highly differentiated product, highly differentiated organization that is true to um, its mission at the, at, at, actually at the individual of the organization. So at all touch points, typically, um, the stakeholders of our company feel and experience that and it creates magnetic pull, right? So, and, and that's a competitive advantage that we enjoy throughout. So, anyway. And we're doing something that's also very unique from a business perspective in that in the infill space, um, it's a very fragmented market, highly fragmented market. Um, in the city of Seattle, we had over a thousand LLC builders in the city of Seattle last year. The year uh, last year for Portland, uh, where we build as well, there's like 700 LLC builders. So this is highly fragmented market, small little builders. And um, it's not very process driven, right? It's, uh, you know, we affectionately refer to it as the Wild West, kind of the rodeo where uh, project managers are running around playing a game of whack-a-mole, you know? <laughs> um, what we've done by raising equity in the company has been able to establish a process platform that allows us to um, much more efficiently than this fragmented marketplace process units, build build homes, buy, build, and sell homes much more efficiently because we have ubiquitous or, uh, yeah, we have similar um, project management processes for every home that we build, every way that we build it. Um, we, we invest in designs that are replicable, that are cost optimized, um, and we own those designs. Uh, so what we've tried to do is eliminate all the inefficiency out of the value chain. Mm. If you can do that, what you're really doing is disrupting a market, and which which is what we're doing, not just uh, from the imagination side, but practically speaking, in such a way that big builders that are used to, you know, clear cutting and harvesting opportunity in a plat built form, giving them the opportunity to invest in an organization that's selectively harvesting opportunity within the urban core. Many large builders want to get into the urban core because the closer they can provide homes to where the jobs are at, the more resilient right. the business model is, right? Got it. Aaron, that was, a, that was a lot of information. I appreciate it again. And I think that alludes to when you were saying... Um, 
you know, people are, we, we are distinguished because of our, our environmental and purposeful ecological values. Um, the, the quote that pops into my mind is not all profits are created equal. And when people come down to, um, a house they want to uh, purchase and it costs the same price, they're going to choose yours 10 out of 10 times. Um, so that's, that's really interesting. Uh, so the other question I have is with your culture, it seems like your culture is definitely stands out. As you mentioned earlier, all the different um, places in the value chain that you're adding, you're adding additional societal and environmental value to. Um, what does that speak volume to for your culture? Are they invested in the, the mission? Are they invested in um, the, the dream that one day, you know, all of these homes will have net zero energy? And now a quick message from the company who made this podcast possible. Hey listeners, if you're a fan of the show, you've probably heard me reference impact investing often. It's one of the most effective ways to support clean energy and limit greenhouse gases to save our future. And I'm no expert in finance by any means on this subject, but I know who is. I'd like to introduce you to Arnerich Messina. Arnerich Messina is an independent investment advisory firm serving individuals and families, foundations and endowments, and corporate clients across the United States. With an emphasis on impact investing and specialization in private markets, the firm has become known for its forward-looking, world-class research and investment opportunities. You can visit them online at www.am-a.com to learn more about their investment approach and read the company's recent white paper, Impact Investing, Why, What, How. Again, folks, that's am-a.com. You can go on there and start investing in impact today. Yeah, I, I think our team certainly is, but I, I think almost, yeah, more importantly than that, they're investing in each other. Um, our team is highly um, collaborative and cohesive. Um, all the different channels have to interlock and work together in such a way. And we really focus on um, the values of the organization meaning how we want to behave with each other day to day. So that's what we value, right? And in, in, in community. And when problems break, or a man process, which is basically what we've got, when problems break down, many times, and in fact, most of the times, at the very root of that is a, is a miscommunication. You know, someone said something, it was interpreted differently. That break down in communication. So if that's the case, um, and, and it is, um, we think of ourselves as a communications company that just so happens to build and focus a lot of energy on what does it take to have great communication. So what that looks like in our organization is the top of every year, we have our mission, vision, values, retreat, um, recalibrate to mission, recalibrate to vision, and then we play in the world of our values. And we describe our values differently. Sometimes we add a new value. Sometimes we take an, uh, uh, an existing value out, but it's highly collaborative with a large group of people. And we go through process to rearticulate our values and then describe what that looks like day to day, how we interact, seek first to understand, you know, uh, cultivate, cultivate community, show up with your whole self, be curious. These are you know, some examples of that. After that, then we go into um, the first of two annual reviews that are not performance reviews. They're what we call our cultural reviews. 
and we review each other on our values. How are we doing living into our values? So the substrate of culture, our shared set of values, then you have shared set of shared language and linguistics. We bake that all the way in throughout the year and then work on that with leadership coaching once a month for the whole team. Mm, interesting. Where we continue to um, focus on how do we communicate and work well together? How do we cultivate community within our organization and without you just got to start with them first because otherwise there's no, it can't get out. Right. Right. So Aaron, at the top of all this leadership is you, the CEO, you know, what in your life has most dramatically impacted your leadership style? Um, what's impacted my leadership style most, you know, gosh, that goes, you know, to my mom. <laughs> you know, my mom, my wife, uh, my children. Um, I have a, uh, you know, I have a, uh, you know, spiritual practice that starts every morning very, very early. Um, that's, you know, I meditate, I have meditation practice. And um, I think all of these things as an organization, like I said, if, if it doesn't, if it's not working within, there's no way that it can go without. And that gets to the individual level too. So really what we're talking about is personal improvement. If you're dedicated as an individual to live into your potential and be the best husband, um, you know, father, son, CEO that I can, that means I got to do a lot of listening. I have to embrace vulnerability um, and, and not avoid um, difficult conversations, you know, and show up with my whole self, check my ego at the door. And if I'm doing that, it's, 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 it helps because there's modeling and then it can go out. But it's a commitment. It's a life commitment, you know, and it, it keeps it keeps it keeps uh, things pretty fresh. Yeah, definitely. Almost a, a metaphor for life in that sense. And and so, Aaron, um, uh, a lot of our viewers are, are starting social entrepreneurs or entrepreneurs in general. Um, from speaking with past really 100 winners, they said the hard things don't get talked about enough. Um, you know, what challenges um, have you faced along the way? Well, you know, I think probably nothing um, unique to, to the startup world, uh, you know, run out of cash, got to raise more money. That, that's, you know, classic. And we've been through that couple times really heart stopping moments um right now we we went through last year and still processing a total shift in the market dynamic i mean a complete shift in market dynamic which fortunately we're really well prepared for organizationally to deal with but that cause causes uh strategy so i would say uh, a change in strategy so i would say you know probably nothing unique um but i you know i would um, focus on the very early stage and a startup, focus on your resiliency because it's not a question of if, you know, you're going to come across problems or hard times. It's a question of when, mm. when you do, are you prepared um, emotionally, mentally, um, organizationally to weather that? And many times you don't know whether you're prepared or not, um, but just anticipate that that's going to happen, right? Um, and then have the humility to, you know, the world doesn't doesn't stop and start with your particular adventure. <laughs> you <know>? Definitely. <laughs> well, Things so, need to go on. 
Well, Aaron, um, again, I'll, I'll mention it. You know, you, you didn't just uh, make the really 100 top impact companies list by chance. You know, uh, you've, you've taken the risk. You've weathered the storms. Um, and you've, you've spoken a lot about vision. Um, what would you say your definition of a real leader is? Doing the body of uh, information that you get to learn and benefit from in relationship with other people is enormous. Um, the more leaders think that they need to fill space, the less information that they have to work with. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that requires a high degree of courageous vulnerability and letting go of your own self-importance, um, being a, trying to be aware and learn about your various blind spots so that you can um, equally orient and relate to people. Um, I think good leadership is, you know, has a high degree of humility and patience. You know, good leaders um, get the best out of themselves and others as a result. Well, I, I maybe that's a little flowery and lacking, um, but it certainly no, isn't the authentic. iconoclast, hard-charging white male that's six foot tall um, and, you know, you know, barking orders. I, I, that is a past paradigm leadership style that I don't think um, millennials, let alone folks of my generation, much appreciate anymore. Yeah, that's good. That's a good transition. How would you say leadership has changed over the last you know, 10, 15 years since you've been working? You know, I think that the corporate world has changed mm. a lot in that, you know, the corporations now understand that, you know, at the root of what is a company? A company is just a group of people, corpus, you know, it's just people coming together and corporations are learning through, um, you know, philosophers, psychologists, and poets that in order to get the best out of people, you have to meet, you have to meet that company where it's at, which is at its people. And you actually have to appeal to, um, the individual people within the company meaning I have to earn the right of their retention. You know, um, I can't, you, you can't push people into alignment um, like we once used to accept. Um, and now it's, we're pulling people, we're um, learning and all kind of growing together. So I think, you know, the language of business has changed a lot and the awareness that um, people, you get more from people you have more fun. Um, you have a more fulfilled corporate environment that's more productive if you create safe spaces for people to bring them their whole self to work. And I don't know if you're familiar with the phrase developmentally deliberate organization or a DDO, um, but uh, I can't remember the name, Harvard. Uh, professors done a lot of research and read a couple books on it. Um, but what they're learning are more and more, more companies are working with their employees at that very, at that level, um, personal development. And we're going to deliberately focus on our personal development. So they're developmentally deliberate organizations, um, which means, you know, direct honesty, but a safe environment so that can be received and responded to um 
and, and that goes with what you said earlier, you know, starting within, within the internal and then having that ripple effect, um, without, uh, so Aaron, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Uh, any last words, uh, for people can find green canopy and, and learn more. Yeah. I mean, obviously it's the, the internet world wide web, <laughs> greencanopy.com. You can learn more about us there. Um, and uh, yeah, if you have any questions, feel free to email me. You can find me on our website. Um, I really appreciate it. Thank you, Kevin, for the opportunity to speak to you today and all the um, folks that you, you reach. Um, I, we're honored to be recognized by uh, real leaders. And, you know, it's, it's part of the work, hopefully, um, that moves somebody and, and, and we get, you know, another ripple effect of positive impact in the world from this so thank you so much well the world is honored to have you all uh in fair and fairchild i'm kevin edwards thanking you for tuning in to episode 32 of the real years podcast if you're watching this on facebook ring the bell in the top right corner of your screen to be notified for future podcasts and real years like aaron and or like the page if you're listening to this on audio on itunes on spotify let us know what you think good or bad and leave us a review but folks most importantly always Keep it real.